This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. First time since 1966, 70 points have been scored in an NFL football game. And let me be the first to welcome you to Victory Monday. Thank you so much for turning into the Jake and Josh show. This is another Dolphins podcast. I wish I had something else to say, but my God, Josh, the Dolphins first quarter, 14 points, second quarter, 21 points. And then they just brought it back another 35 points in the second half. A 70-20 win over the Denver Broncos. Man, there's not much more I can say. Oh, my God, what a game. Yeah, man, what a game. I think we all need a cigarette after that one. I mean, coming into this, we felt confident. You know, some people are calling it a trap game. But to think that we were going to score 70 points and win by 50, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, the Dolphins are up 50 points. When have we ever been able to say that? Um, I think you touched on it. They were, what, three points shy of breaking the – uh, record for most points ever scored in a game. Mike McDaniel decided to kneel the ball instead of kick that field goal. Maybe he didn't trust Jason Sanders, but dude, 70 freaking points. What a day. And um, yeah, we were coming on here anyway for our victory Monday, our recap pod, but um, this was the perfect day, man. It, it just feels so good to be a Dolphins fan and we're three and no baby. So um, yeah, not a lot to say, but we both need cigarettes after that one. 1940, the Chicago bears scored 73 points against Washington, 1966, Washington scored 72 points on the Giants. And now 2023, the Miami Dolphins score 70 points against the Denver Broncos. And Josh, let's just start right at the end because the Dolphins did have that opportunity to kick a field goal at the end of the game. But Mike McDaniel said, I think, had the best answer. He basically said that, hey, we aren't here to break records like that. If we were to break a record like that, it'd be in a game that matters. And most importantly, Josh, he wanted karma to remain on Miami's side. I think that that's the most important part. Yeah, I mean, uh, this isn't college football, right? You don't get you don't get moved up the rankings by beating a team by 70, 50 points or more than that or whatever it might be. So they really didn't have anything to go out there, any reason to go out there and kick that field goal. So kudos to Mike McDaniel. I was kind of thinking about it. Um, I used to be in Madden leagues, and like there were different things that you could do, like shouldn't do because of sportsmanship. And running up the score is one of those, and that's all I could think about with him going out there and kneeling that ball when, with the record in, uh, in sight. But, dude, um, just what a f- – great game from the offense and just to think I think they were pretty close to having the most yards in a single game if I'm not mistaken I think they were like seven yards shy of that so what a spectacular day man and that offense was just firing on all cylinders in the passing game and the running game Miami's offense Josh was on a whole new level on Sunday let me go through these possessions the Dolphins the Denver Broncos decided it was a smart idea hey we're gonna kick the ball off to this Dolphins offense feeding the game well The Dolphins went 75 plays in three, or excuse me, 75 yards in three plays, Josh. That was capped off by a 54-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. The next drive was another touchdown, followed by another touchdown. Downs, touchdown, touchdown, end of hell. Touchdown, 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 punt. Touchdown, touchdown, downs. 
Josh, there's one, there's, there's so many plays we can talk about here in so many different directions. Let's start early. I know there is a touchdown late. You really want to talk about here and we, I promise you, we will get to it, but let's start that first possession. Josh, the dolphins came out and flat out punched the Denver Broncos in the face. And it was Tua to Tyree kill Tyree kill finished the game with nine receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown long of 54. He could have had another crazy, crazy touchdown where his knee just hit the ground. But man, early on, this was the bread and butter. It was, hey, we have Tua, we have Tyreek, come try to beat us. Yeah, exactly. And I think what was mo- really stood out in that 50, 54-yard touchdown reception was how wide open he was. I mean, and how much time Tua had. Do you know I mean, why he was? Because because he's Tyreek Hill. Everyone was doubling my boy Chosen, right? They didn't yep. fit on Chosen underneath. Um, but, yeah, man, so they started with the Raheem Mostert. I think he got seven yards on first, and Smite had a nice chunk, and then just came out 54-yarder wide open to Tyreek Hill, and that kind of just set the stage for how this day was going to go, right? We thought Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill were going to be, um, I guess, the stars this, and not to say they weren't, but it was the run game that started to, you know, just score at will. But Tua Tagovailoa, man, was damn near perfect for most of this game. I think he had, what, 16 or 17 completions in a row and it was right after they showed the stat that he was like right behind Tannehill where he threw the incompletion so couldn't really ask for a better game again offensively but you're right man it started as soon as the Dolphins got the ball they went down there and scored and um, set the stage for how this day was going to go before the game Josh I'm not going to be that guy because I never expected the Dolphins to win by 50 points but we kind of had the feeling that Miami might come out and want to put on a show right Tyreek Hill had that quote of like you guys go to see Lil Wayne you guys go to see Drake you guys should be coming to see the Miami Dolphins. And, and that's why I kind of knew he'd be one of the first players to score a touchdown for this Dolphins team. But Josh, we pod so much where it's so easy for us to kind of pull out a pod and say, maybe we should just shut up. Once in a while, you know what? We talk a lot about this team. Maybe we should shut up. Because we went on a ramp. I will take most of the land for this. About how the Dolphins might need another running back. You mentioned the injuries to Jeff Wilson, uh, you know. Chris Brooks, you don't know if you can trust him to be a consistent backup. Selvan Ahmed, he misses the game. In the first quarter, Josh, the Dolphins wasted no time going to Devon A. Chain. Not only did the rookie running back lead the Dolphins with 203 yards on 18 carries, but he dashed in another four receptions for 30 yards and another two touchdowns. Were you surprised to see him involved so early on and quite frankly so often? I think I think the last part for sure so often, right? I mean, we kind of knew that he was going to be that next guy up behind uh, Raheem Mostert. We knew the Dolphins were going to want to run the ball um, effectively. But, dude, 18 carries, 203 yards, and two touchdowns. Those uh, two touchdown Man. receptions, which, I mean, those those play designs were just – that first one where, you know, to a no-look shoveled with his right hand as Tyreek was coming around to fake it. I mean, dude, Mike McDaniel is an absolute mastermind, but you don't have to sit here and take the credit for that. I mean, that was a homework assignment you gave us, and I was trying to get the Jonathan – Taylor talk out there, but I'm going to put that to rest right now. You know, for as nice as a Jonathan Taylor would look, for as nice as one of these other backs would look, I don't think the Dolphins should, you know, even think about it at this point. Devon A. Chain looked like an absolute stud. Raheem Mostert, I think he's probably leading the league in touchdowns right now, right? He was tied with three. He had, what, added four more in this game, three on the ground. I mean, hey, he's playing out of his mind. So I don't think the Dolphins need to worry about going out there and, you know, trading for a Jonathan Taylor like we may have thought before. But, um, man, Devon A. Chain looked explosive. Raheem Mostert looked explosive. And it was so cool to see. I believe uh, NFL put up, like, next-gen stats, the fastest ball carries of the year, and all five of those were Dolphins. I think three were Tyreek Hill, one was Mostert, and one was A. Chain. It's like that we really do have a video game offense. And, I mean, Mike McDaniel, we joked about before, has his mom's credit card, and he's building this Madden Ultimate team where he's just using those crossers and speed to, you know, gash defenses. It's beautiful 
we love to see it. And uh, today, the run game, man, really, really stepped up. Bro, McDaniel's praying for the day that that credit card statement never comes in. He's just hoping that that pill must be so insane. The most yards in a game in NFL history, 1951, the Rams, Josh, had 735 against one of your favorite teams there, the Yanks. You can't forget about the Yanks. And then in 2023, it was the Dolphins with 726 yards against the Denver Broncos. And Josh, believe it or not, the Dolphins selected a very explosive wide receiver in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. He was inactive for the game. He was jumping up and down on the sidelines. They actually got some film of him after the game yelling his uh, coined fins for the win, which I absolutely love. But Looking at this chart, man, looking at this offense, we kind of felt, all right, Jalen Waddle, he's good for, you know, five to 10 targets. And all of a sudden those are gone. Who is going to be the blackjack dealer? He's going to spread those around. We'll see some uh, River Craycraft. He actually left the game with an injury. It was a shoulder. We don't know the severity of that just yet. Braxton Berrios, he'll get a couple of receptions, even Durham Smythe. But man, Durham Smythe was targeted once. River Craycraft injured, but he was also targeted once. Braxton Berrios was targeted twice so what was your reaction to see how this offense was just marching up and down the field knowing that these three key pieces combined for four total targets and the offense josh scored 70 points 70 yeah but what what world are we honestly living in you mentioned Jalen waddle's not in this game you mentioned the different targets i mean they were running the ball effectively they were doing things with their running backs that they didn't have to get some of these playmakers involved in the passing game like we thought we might see but um i don't know man maybe that's why they didn't try to go out there and break the record for points because mike mcdaniel knows they're going to be back here again right up and down the entire thing and we do have to give a shout out to teron armstead because i don't know if that run game would have been as good if he wasn't out there i did get a little bit queasy when i saw liam eikenberg out there taking snaps later in the game because Connor Williams was out. I don't know. Did he ever come back in? I'm not sure if Eichenberg finished the game or if it was uh, Williams came back. But, um, dude, that offensive line has been playing out of their mind. This entire offense is out of their mind. And um, it feels good to be a Dolphin fan, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it was a stretch run out to the left side, I think it was, where Connor Williams, he was out in open space, and he kind of just, like, fell over. I hope it wasn't a contact injury and more of maybe he felt something tighten up and, like, all right, I'm just going to roll over. I'm not really in the play too, too much. Um, We'll hear more about that injury as we go, but that's another thing worth mentioning, man, too. Like, you don't put up 70 points if you have um, snapping issues, right? Is is that safe to say that you ain't fumbling any snaps if you're putting up a 70 barrier? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. It was just an overall, just such a well-rounded performance, and it started with the rushing attack. The Dolphins had six drives in the first half. They scored touchdowns on five of them. They had the most rushing yards in a half since 2018 and the third most points in regular season history. Josh, the Dolphins ran the ball 43 times, 350 yards on the ground. Take that, Austin Eckler and the Chargers. You know nothing about running the football when you look at numbers like that. Were the Dolphins going to run the ball this much if Teron Armstead wasn't active? I mean... I think when we look back to last year, I mean, the bread and butter was that toss run behind Armstead to the left side. And it seemed like this, you know, rushing, rushing attack really just picked up where it left off five touchdowns, 8.1 yards per carry. 
Yeah, man, I'm not sure if they were going to, if Teron Armstead was out, but it was working effectively. And I think you mentioned on the last pod, you were like, yo, Josh, do you think this means that Mike McDaniels, you know, finally committed to the run? We're finally over that. I think we can now say we're over that, right? 43 carries, um, 300 plus yards on the ground. It's just insane, man, that um, this is how well this offense looked out there. And to just think that, you know, they don't have some of their their pieces, like you mentioned, man. I mean, this this team has room to even get better and to think about that, to think about um, – you know, what the potential from here on. I mean, Salvin Ahmed looked great this year as a running back. Now we got him adding him to Devon A-Chain, who looks like a, a stud. Raheem Mostert playing out of his mind. Jeff Wilson's going to get healthy again. I mean, it's a good problem to have. We're going to have to give flowers to the defense at some point, but I do have a couple more comments about the offense, Josh. We have to talk about them. Robbie Chosen, one reception on one target, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Before we get to the actual reception, man, how do you feel about how the offense used someone like Robbie Chosen? We mentioned this before. He's not that Jalen Waddle possession guy who's going to help you move the sticks, but what does he do? He gives you a distraction all the way down the field, someone who everyone's going to focus on. We mentioned it earlier that on that Tyree Kill massive run that for some reason Robbie Chosen was double covered. We saw the vision and how he can really impact this offense, I felt. Yeah, he's not Jalen Waddle, but in a sense, he can still be that decoy similar to Jalen Waddle. Use that speed to scare defenses, and you mentioned it. We saw it on that uh, early touchdown. We saw it on that big play, right? I mean, I could not – I was sitting there, I think, probably getting the kids something to eat or whatever it was, and I look up, and I'm like, there's no way. Robbie Cho, he was, like, on the ground, like, praying. And I'm like, no way, man. He just scored a touchdown. Are you serious? This is awesome. So, um, I like the way they sprinkled him in. Obviously, again, he brings a different dynamic than what we expect from Braxton Barrios or even a River Craycraft. So, um, to see him get involved a little bit here, I – I love to see it, and I hope that, you know, they can sprinkle him in a little bit more. But um, you look at this receiving corp, and this was without Eric Ezekoma, which I do think um, that was a little bit of a surprise, right, them going with um, them going with Robbie Chosen over Eric Ezekoma. I mean, that surprised me a little bit, especially when I think we were on here talking about how we might see Ezekoma get some of those carries in this game. So, um, yeah, man, like to see it. Love to see Robbie Chosen out there and hope to see more of him. But if we don't need him, I'm okay with that too. Can I get your thoughts on Ezukamo real quick? Because I think that was very interesting. That was the eyebrow before the game. He was inactive. Uh, if he was active, whose toes does he step on in terms of targets? Does that mean Devon A-Chain, you know, oh, no, he wouldn't get targeted or have 22 touches in the game? Or where would the game plan overlap where you don't necessarily feel that Ezukamo would be involved? Yeah, I can't say for sure, but that's kind of what my first thing was. I was thinking about A-Chain and the way, you know, maybe they knew that he was going to be out there. He was going to get involved in some of those, you know, end arounds, those different opportunities in the passing game as well. So maybe they thought, okay, let's give Robbie Chosen a chance. I don't know if Eric Ezukoma had any injuries uh, peak up throughout the week. I think he was pretty relatively healthy, correct? So um, it might have been a healthy scratch, but yeah, I immediately thought maybe it would cut into Devon A-Chain's a little bit, but if the running game's moving as well as it did, I mean, we talked about Jake, all it takes is Devon A-Chain breaking off that one big play to keep getting touches, and that's exactly what we saw here. I mean, the, the dude went uh, psycho, and it was it was awesome to see. So um, yeah, man, I think that he'd probably dip into A-Chain's a little bit, but um, you got to get A-Chain out there in the field more now too, right? What a tough question. What a great question to have, though, wondering how are you going to get all these playmakers out in the field at the same time? And we have to mention it one more time, Josh, before we move on. Three games, the Chargers, solid pass rush. The Patriots defense, we know how good they are. And then the Denver Broncos, who you gave up 70 points. You're not a good defense. There's no there's no sugar coating. There's no way around it. But they do have some pieces. I mean, Pat Sertan II is one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he was still stuck just chasing around guys all day. He had no idea what was going on. I mean, this offensive line deserves its flowers. 8.1 yards per carry on the ground, 
Tua stayed clean. Mike White was even clean when he was in there. That has to be the biggest surprise about this 3-0 start to begin the year. Yeah, and I mean, if we're nitpicking, and I, I don't want to be that guy because I mean we're up, we won by fifty points, but what the hell was that? Um, why did why did they go for it on fourth down? That their what their back was against like their thirty five yard line, and for whatever reason, fourth and one. I think I'd written down they ended up stopping the defense stepped up and forced the punt. So I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. But I'm just sitting there like, why are you doing that? You have this game in control. Punt the damn ball, man. Don't get too cute when you have your back against the um. Well, you know on your own side of the field. So that was my only gripe, but um, I mean, who cares, right? They won by 50 points. You know why they just didn't trust Sanders to kick it from the th- their own 35. That's like, otherwise, otherwise they would have had him out there kicking the field goal. Yeah. That was probably the one question and it, it is a genuine question worth having, but they were moving the ball so well. It was more the play calling. I didn't like, yes, I, Love to get the ball in Alec Ingle's hand, but the fullback dive up the middle, especially that was when Tua is still perfect on the day. He might have been like 13 for 13 at the time, just to run it up the middle twice. That seemed like a very like uh, Joe Philbin level move. I like the idea to go for it. I like the idea to even get um, Alec Ingle in twice, but it's full on fool me once, shame on uh, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, something like that. I think that sounds right, right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. I I don't know what they were thinking there, but again, it, it really doesn't matter. They worked out in the Dolphins' favor. They ended up stopping the defense, who you know took the ball over. They were already in field goal range, ended up getting out of there with zero points. So, um, awesome performance overall. But yeah, why was Ingold getting those touches when Raheem Mostert and Achey they're moving the ball effectively? Even Chris Brooks had a couple carries too. He finished the day with nine carries for sixty-six yards and a touchdown. I think that is it for offense, Josh. Are we missing it? Oh. Two and no luck passes. I mean, at some point when you're up 30 points in a game and you're just throwing stuff out there, man, I mean, there can be a debate to probably not anymore, but there was a debate to be had about having is Tua worth that next contract. But I think there's one thing that we can safely say. I think he was worth the fifth overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. At this point, we can say the Dolphins may in five years, things can change. But as of right now, three years in the future, four years in the future, I'd say the fifth pick in the 2020 NFL draft. I, I think that was a good selection, selecting Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, man. I think he's, what, 24 and 13 now as a starter. He's been just putting up psycho numbers. And it's just nice to see him in an offense with a head coach that believes in him and trusts him and all these weapons they put around him. And now the offensive line's stepping up. I mean, there were times, man, where he just seemed like he had all day to throw. And it just it was an anomaly. I wasn't used to it. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought the game was just going to black out and it was going to say you were disconnected from your opponent or something. Looking at the Miami Dolphins defense, Josh, obviously the defense didn't put up 70 points, but they did have a massive input in the outcome of this game. Let's start with Cortland Sutton, Josh. On the surface, eight receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets. He fumbled the ball twice to give the Dolphins the ball in prime field position. Um, You mentioned Madden, man. This kind of felt like you're playing on rookie and any chance you get the opportunity to hit stick someone, it's an instant fumble. It kind of seemed like Cortland Sutton had that going on for him. Yeah, and you got to give credit to Cortland Sutton because you could see that he was a you know a dominant receiver out there, right? The way he was making plays, he did do, do some good things, but you had to laugh because there was one where I think he beat Javon Holland, got away from him, and Javon Holland still came up and just okay. knocked that thing out. Like he was, again, like you mentioned, playing uh, on rookie and Madden. So everything was working for the Dolphins. Javon Holland was all over the place making tackles, um, knocking the ball out if the ball was caught, and it was just 
um, you know, uh, overall great performance. You know, Vic Fangio is up there smiling down, right? So happy for what he just did because, again, he wanted this a little bit more than some of these other games. And um, the defense definitely showed up today. And now they're starting to build these, you know, good performances on top of each other. And when you add that to a, an offense that could put up 70 points, Jake, I mean, holy, holy crap, man. Last week we spoke a bit about how, you know, Javon Holland led the team with 10 tackles and he led the team again, this time with eight tackles. Um, we were a little worried, like, is this sustainable having your safety lead the team in tackles? Things are always going to feel different when you win by 50, but it kind of felt like that Javon Holland was always in the action, but he wasn't overextended as we might've felt at times last week where he had to do a little bit of everything. It felt like he was in his comfort zone. Um, he knocked away a pass, the eight tackles, and then the forced fumble. I mean, He's given his opportunities, and I think that's so important, um, without really forcing him to be that guy. I need to be involved with, you know, 14, 15, 16 plays in the game. Yeah, man. Again, he's all over the field. You can tell that he's going to be, you know, one of those dynamic safeties to come. I think Ryan Clark tweeted out that he's going to be the best safety in football sooner than later. He had to give Deshaun Elliott props, too. I mean, he's all over the field as well. It looks like he had um, – five total tackles, two pass breakups. Uh, one was a huge stop. I think it was on a third down. So um, he's out there playing with his hair on fire. And I liked what Cater Kohu did. I think he played more on the outside today because of Eli Apple's struggles. was a little bit um, uncertain or confused by why Cam Smith wasn't active. We were all hoping to see him get more reps this week. So he wasn't out there. They used Cater a bit more on the outside. And um, every week you can continue to see what type of impact he has. You know, getting down, making the open field tackles, pass breakups, always in on plays. Um, great effort and um again man i'm just giddy it's it's we're sitting here fanboying but that's what we're going to do after a game when you win by 50 points right fanboying over every aspect i would have liked to see a little bit more out of the pass rush show i wanted to see jalen phillips get you know one maybe bradley chubb knock a ball out or get a sack or two um still want to see more than you know almost those pressures and things like that but um again that's nitpicking Russell wilson was hit 12 times and it felt like the defense was just missing that slightly extra gear needed to hit him before the ball was thrown uh just just to give the Dolphins offense flowers again Tua was hit once Tua was hit once compared to Russell Wilson being hit 12 times something I thought was interesting was it the idea that Jalen Phillips he tweaked his back late last week and the Dolphins are kind of working him in he only had one tackle on the day uh but you know Bradley Chubb was involved and then also Andrew Van Ginkle was involved for the second straight week the interesting, though, when you see someone like Andrew Van Genkel get involved with three tackles and a tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit, you wonder, okay, does that mean David Long wasn't on the field? But no, Josh, that wasn't even the case either. He had eight tackles to tie Javon Holland for the team league. So how do you feel about that front seven on how it kind of um, existed? I guess I should put it, put it simply there. I mean, I I enjoyed it, right? We even saw Agba get involved a bit. I think he had an interception. Um, Raquan Davis. I don't know if he got a, a Deshaun hand hand handed. Oh, it. was it Deshaun hand? Okay, because it looked like it was Raquan Davis' head anyway. So, uh, Deshaun hand, maybe Raquan's head. Either way, it ended up in Agba's hands. Agba then got a sack, I think, um, later in the game. So to see him step up when get called upon, to see some of those other pieces, like I mentioned, Raquan Davis was a little bit concerned about Krista Wilkins there for a little bit. He went into the locker room. No one was really sure what was going on there. Um, I think Denver then started moving. The ball pretty effectively when he was out of the game as you, you would expect but I do think maybe they baby Jalen Phillips a little bit more in this one and when you're up by so much right I mean you can use some of these different pieces you have and and give some of these other guys rest so overall again liked what I saw but I just don't know if um, you can put too much stock into a game like this right because are the Broncos I mean they're 0-3 now I mean we can sit here and say that they might be a bad team and you know this is what they you might. hope to Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. This is what you hope to do to bad teams, but man, 50 points. I mean, I, no matter how you try to spin it or sugarcoat it, that's a, that's an ass whooping, man. 
And into like you expect your playmakers to play make plays, right? Whether it was you know you'd hope Javon Howell enforces a fumble, but somebody who steps up, especially in a game like this, a four month season, man, you need the random guys to have huge games. And how about Justin Bethel stepping up again? Three tackles, two tackles for a loss. I mean. That number 20, you didn't expect to see it too much, but it was flying around each side of the field. It didn't matter where he was lined up. He found a way to make an impact against the Broncos. And this Broncos offense that really Josh couldn't do too, too much. Rushing attack, averaging 3.5 yards per carry on the ground. It was pretty nice to see just that entire defense work as one and just kind of keep the Broncos contained more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, we've heard about this being a bend-don't-break type defense, right? And there were times when you're sitting here and you're watching them drive where the defense did step up in those key moments. We mentioned how um, when the Dolphins had that turnover on downs early in the game in their own side of the field, the defense stepped up and they were making plays um, when called upon. So, um, again, perfect team effort in this one. I mean, we could sit here and you can, I guess, get down to schematics, but I'm glad that you brought up Justin Bethel because you definitely saw him out there flashing. And those are the type of guys that can be difference makers in some of these games. But um, yeah, man, we just need to, I I continue to think we're we're winning games 50 by 50 points and uh, we're going to have Jalen Ramsey back at some point this year. Right. What a nice added bonus to that too. I mean, just knowing that you have that coming back, speaking about the secondary, just a little bit longer. I mean, Xavier Howard gave up a touchdown there in the back corner. I wouldn't necessarily say he had a bad game, but we're getting to the point. He had the interception against Mac Jones, Josh, but I'm kind of starting to feel like we want to see a little more from Xavier Howard. Yes. Um, no doubting his career, how awesome he's been, but looking at his contract and his role on the field, especially with Jalen Ramsey being out, you kind of hope he'd do a little bit more and have maybe a, a one or two more stamp plays where he can really dictate the uh, momentum. Yeah, maybe that's all going to come, right? I mean, we're still early in the season, but um, you really can't fault him on that touchdown like you mentioned. I mean, Russ extended that play, and uh, he just couldn't cover Cortland Sutton long enough, but good job by them to kind of adapt and to end up scoring there. But, yeah, man, you wanted to hope he would step up and be that – X corner that can just shut down and shadow a guy and completely erase him from the game. We thought he might do that with Cortland Sutton in this one, and that really wasn't the case. So, um, yeah, I, I think what you're trying to say in a nice way is X's better days may be behind him, and, you know, maybe his days as a Dolphin are behind him. But we don't want to talk about that right now because we talked about that before on a podcast, so I, I have to be consistent. But, yeah, man, we want to see a little bit more from X, right? Just looking through this uh, defensive stat sheet to see who really stands out here. Hey, how about Jerome Baker? Jerome Baker, two quarterback hits. He had a nice tackle for a loss against the run. I mean, you could just go through this entire team, and that's how you get to 3-0, right? The Dolphins, it was the offense in week one. Everything kind of cleaned itself up in week two. And in week three, we saw what this potential can be when you're facing, obviously, a team that's not up to your level. And this is a pretty nice message to send, Josh, right before the Denver Broncos come to town. All right, well, I guess you traveled to Buffalo. Potato, potato. Potato, potato. We, we know what you meant. We're going up to Orchard Park where it smells like urine. But um, it was nice to see Jerome Baker step up. And, you know, I've been pretty hard on these linebackers. Him and David Long both had very good games, like you mentioned. Um, they did have a tackle for loss, and I think it was like a third and one or a third and three that completely stopped a drive that looked promising for the Broncos. So it's nice to see some of these guys that are getting paid, you know, solid money that, you know, we might have been disappointed in heading into this week and seeing them flash on the screen and make plays when – the Dolphins needed them too. So, man, you got to feel pretty damn good if you're Mike McDaniel, right? Your first two years in the NFL, you start 3-0, and I, I believe, both years. And this one, man, 50 points. I'm never. I'm not going to get over that. I mean, we can no, – no one can tell us anything all week, dude. Our team just won by 50 points, scored 70. 
you can't talk to me. We have scored 50 points. I like that. That should be like a, a Twitter bio or something. Uh, don't talk to me unless your team has scored 70 points. Josh, do you have any closing thoughts here as we wrap up week three of the NFL season? We saw the Buffalo Bills pick up a win. The New England Patriots picked up their first one of the season, beating the Jets. But man, looking at this division, the Buffalo Bills have scored 91 points through three games. The Miami Dolphins, though, 130. That doesn't look too bad. No, not at all. And you wonder what's going to give, right? I mean, these first three weeks feel great. We're on cloud nine, but playing Buffalo, that that's the team we want to beat, right? That's the team that you want to uh, assert your dominance and, sh- and be this team. You know, the running game, be effective, go through the air and have your way with Buffalo. That's a team that has give, been an Achilles heel on our side. And, um, you know, they've run away with the AFCs for so many years. So this is a heavyweight battle, 3-0 and against the Bills. I want to see us take care of business there, but um, dude. It just, it just feels so good. So my closing thoughts are the Dolphins are, seem to just be getting better, Jake. I mean, how is that possible? We came into this week feeling confident, you know, feeling pretty good, but I didn't expect to come out of this feeling this good, right? I mean, you just it, the offense was just clicking on all cylinders. And now that you have a run game to add to the passing game, those two speedy backs that are just, you know, race cars. I mean, what do you do if you're a defense? I, I don't know. And now the defense is stepping up. That that's is that is that my take? Is that a good uh, overall take of everything? I'm just just really happy. <laughs> There's just so many different pieces moving in the same direction at the same time. And Mike McDaniel had a great great quote. He came out and said, "Shame on us if you put a ceiling on what you're capable of. It's amazing what a group of people can do going in one direction. The points don't carry over, but I think this is a meaningful game for a lot of guys." Josh, the home opener is so important to come out and just really show what the ceiling is. I, you know, Mike McDaniel just said that, right. He doesn't want to put a ceiling on this team. And there's always a little extra motivation when you have someone like Sean Payton saying, Oh no, Tua's going to get benched for Teddy Bridgewater. You have the Denver Broncos choosing to fire Vic Fangio. They cut river Craycraft. They traded Bradley Chubb. And, you know, it just seemed like this wasn't really a revenge game. And then you sprinkle in Mike McDaniel as a ball boy for the Broncos. But I do think all these players wanted to remind this franchise of the different people who stepped through those doors at one point or another. Yeah, and I think, you know, they've continuously talked about how important the sports were to the South Florida fan base, right? And the fans, you know, going through the Florida uh, Panthers championship, the Heats championship run this year, and how they want to mimic that. So they were going out there in front of their fans. It was a revenge game, home opener. They wanted to, you know, go out there and, and show the world what they were capable of. But again, I don't think in any of our wildest dreams we woke up this morning thinking the Dolphins were going to break the franchise record in scoring, nearly break the NFL record in points and yards and all that stuff. But um, I guess we just got to get used to that, man. That's just who this Miami Dolphins team is, and um, it feels good, dude. It feels it feels so damn good. You mentioned uh, mimicking the Heat's run. Do you remember who they played in the finals there? It was Denver, right? Little okay. cut, little that's, little that's payback. The I remember. That's the only thing I remembered. Yeah, so they, they got their People revenge. People don't forget. Man. No, never forget. <laughs> and Spo was there, wasn't he? Didn't some, didn't they show him up there in the box with his kids oh, watching? Was he? Yeah, he was. So it was, it was pretty fitting. So. Yeah, oh, man. So cool. And imagine all those fans, man. It had to feel so good to be there and to, to witness this. This kind of felt like that. Um, I don't want to say the Wildcat game when, you know, New England had no answer for it, but it did seem like uh, Denver had no answer for the Dolphins today. None whatsoever. Dude, when I had Dustin on earlier uh, or at near the end of the week, he was talking about how he's like a season ticket holder and him and his family go to the game. They were talking about like, oh, I'm going to have like this a nice bottle of bourbon and like some lobster before the game. And I just the whole time I'm like, dude, what are why do we live in the Northeast, man? Could you imagine sipping some bourbon, eating some lobster? Oh, by the way, your team's about to put a 70 burger up at Denver Broncos. We are doing this so wrong. So, so wrong. 
Yeah, I don't think we do it too bad, Jake. I mean, you had your uh, apple cider mimosas this morning, right? And I was drinking water and pumpkin coffee. <laughs> That's comparable to that bourbon, right? <laughs> Dude, the apple cider mimosas, man. Starting the day, went out to breakfast 8.30 this morning. I woke up at 8.17, out to breakfast by 8.30. They lined the inside of the um, – I don't know if – this is just a Northeast thing, but everybody up here loves mason jars. It's a real hipster thing. Um, they just line the inside of it with caramel, and then it's just apple cider, mimosa. Yeah, mimosa, also known as champagne. And then just some vodka in just for like a little added measure, man. It was it, it was fire. It was beautiful, man. That that was um, that you should have known from there the Dolphins were going to score 70 points. As soon as they came out and this thing was cru- encrusted with uh, caramel on the inside, you should be like, Dolphins by 50. <laughs> I'm putting up 70 points on breakfast. It's 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 over either way. That is it. Thank you all so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We hope you are enjoying your Victory Monday. We will be back throughout the week as we digest this win and prepare for an AFC battle against the Buffalo Bills. But until next time, for another Dolphins podcast, thank you all so much for listening. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.